You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of 21 Questions. What is up, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome to this week's edition of 21 Questions here, presented by you, the fine folks of the KCSN community in the KCSN Discord. I'm super stoked to be joined uh, by my man Jeff Allen uh, on today's podcast. We're getting a little bit of a former player's perspective here on 21 Questions. Appreciate you joining me, Jeff. How you been? It's been a minute since we talked. I've been good, man. It's good to be here with you, Tuck. I'm looking forward to some good questions today. We got some. We got some good ones in the in the chat here. Obviously, we're recording this after the uh, the Chiefs beating the Minnesota Vikings. Tough game up there in Minnesota. Looked like uh, there's a lot of Chiefs fans up there in Minnesota. Yeah. You didn't. You didn't ever get to play in that uh, stadium, did you, Jeff? I, I got to play in. I played when I was in Houston, so I, I played okay, the okay. Vikings back then. What were your thoughts on that stadium? I know a lot of people said that it kind of felt like corporate a little bit. Uh, I've heard some Chiefs fans say it was a little bit quiet, but then I've also heard some people say it was really loud. So I guess it just it, kind of depended on where you were. It, it's very, it is very corporate, um, um, cookie cutter, no pun intended, <laughs> as far as the, the finishes and everything. It, it is a very nice stadium. I don't think it's naturally loud in there. Um, mm-hmm. I do remember when I played, they pumped a lot of artificial sound in there, um, which I didn't appreciate. I, maybe the league kind of checked on that, but um, nice stadium, a nice city. I like Minnesota. Yeah, from Minneapolis. I've heard all good things about uh, about Minneapolis. Everything uh, that they say about there, even from Chiefs fans that went up there. Uh, it's a, I, so Kansas City has a rivalry in soccer with uh, with Minnesota, and they call it the uh, the nicest rivalry, uh, which kind of kind of feels the same thing. It's like that nobody's going to be upset. Um, it's just uh, there's two just two teams that are really uh, the fan bases that are that are really nice with that, with yeah. that Midwest nice. Definitely, definitely. Any place that's that cold, you have no choice but to be chill. <laughs> No fun time. <laughs> <laughs> I think you fully meant to do that there. Yeah, I, want yeah. that I, 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 did, I didn't mean to do that. I got, <laughs> I'm got. i a dad now, man. I can't help the dad jokes. They're just pouring out of me now. That's true. That's how That's how it works. But, uh, Jeff, you know the drill already in 21 Questions. If you're listening to 21 Questions for the first time, uh, this is the the podcast where the people ask us questions. If you're not subscribed to the KCSN Substack, you can go to kcsn.substack.com. Subscribe for $30 a year, $5 a month. Get you access to... DKCS in Substack, where you can get into our 21 questions channel in here, and you could ask us uh, some questions to be answered every week. We're going to have a rotating, we've been rotating all kinds of guests on here. I think Mike was on here a couple weeks ago with uh, with uh, BJ, and we've had uh, all kinds of, you know, uh, different personalities from KCS and come along here. But uh, let's get into the questions, Jeff. First question, this was from Keith McLean. Uh, he says, one question, WTF, and he attaches a, a picture of a screenshot of a tweet that says uh, Chiefs right tackle Jawan Taylor was fined sixteen thousand three hundred and ninety one dollars for his face mask penalty against uh, Bryce Huff that caused the safety in Week Four. Uh, have you ever been fined for that that much for a face mask penalty, Jeff? Not for a face mask penalty. I have been fined before. Um, sucks. <laughs> it sucks anytime you have to you know give your money back to the league, but supposedly they give it back to good causes with charity. I do think they should. Um, I guess if the foul the foul is against a defender or all, offensive player, whoever the foul is against, should be able to choose the charity of their choice since they were the victim, right? So if I got hit blindsided and the defender the defender got fined forty grand, let me pick a charity. You know, let me pick it. I'm the one that took the punishment. I like that idea. Uh, I'm just curious. 
So you said you've been fined before. What was the weirdest thing you've ever been fined for? You're like, really? I got got fined for that? I mean, this was in the news with Tyreek and fined for no socks. I've been fined for my socks being too low. So there there shouldn't be any skin showing. So through the course of the game, you know, sometimes your socks might come down or maybe like a guy like me, I didn't like, you know, pulling my socks all the way up. You know, I like to be able to bend my knees and it was just a superstitious thing for me as well. And they give you warnings. I mean, the league is fair about it. It's not like the first time they see it, they're going to give you a fine. It's something that, you know, over time they say, hey, Jeff, you know, your socks. Pre-game, they tell you. During the game, they might give you a warning. Then eventually the league is going to send you a letter. I know a guy, uh, Sean Barber, who does some stuff here at KC Sports Network. He now does the uniform enforcement uh, for yeah. the Kansas City Chiefs. He's out there. He's finding 50. Guys, 15K for the socks and the uniform stuff. Uh, so, I mean, they take it really seriously. I understand why they do. I understand. I get it. Uh, but I can't imagine that Sean Barber is a very popular guy in the locker room when you see him walking nah, around. No, nah, man. We call them the feds, man. All those guys, are <laughs> they're there to tell on you, man. But And it's usually a former player, which is yeah. the toughest part. Like, man, you're one of us. and You're you're telling on me. But I get it. I mean, the, the league, is their policies and standards in place for a reason. I'm sure um, it's more than just about socks, right? I mean, that's yeah. a part of the policy, but you know, guys can't be out there wearing anything, and I do understand that for, I guess, appearance reasons for the league, and um, in some cases, safety. You know, there's certain things we have to wear safety wise that are part of our uniform. So, absolutely, I always think that we got more uniform questions coming up here, but I always think the uniform policies and, and standards that the NFL has set are, are really interesting. Yeah, uh, with what, what they're so particular about. But uh, this question here is from uh, Matthew McNabb. Would you rather have done the Isaiah Simmons trade or the Clay Chase Claypool trade? Now, I didn't expect you off the top of your head to know exactly what those were, Jeff. So I pulled them up uh, so, to just kind of give a refresher here. Uh, the Giants got uh, Isaiah Simmons in, in exchange for a 2024 seventh round pick. That seems like a pretty good steal to me. Oh, and and uh, I, I can't. Oh, I pulled up the wrong. Uh, I pulled up the wrong Chase Claypool trade. I did the first one he did from, yeah. uh, from seventh seven round to Miami. Yes. yes, in exchange, uh-huh. slot picks or whatever. I, I followed it. I'm, I grew up a Bears fan, so I still follow the Bears. Um, I, I I would have taken Isaiah. The reason being, I know um, from the outside looking in, we need a receiver, which we I think we do need another receiver. Um, I don't know if Claypool would have been a guy. I don't know internally what was going on in Chicago, um, but he didn't look very motivated there. Um, total shitstorm. Um, ton of lack of effort plays. If you looked at him on film, didn't produce. He was there for, I don't know how many games it was, but it was over a year and it wasn't much production. So I, I yeah. probably wouldn't have taken that chance on him. Um, if anyone could deal with a guy like that, it is Andy Reid, but Isaiah, I think he's a special talent. I think Arizona kind of gave up on him. Maybe they're trying to tank, but I do think our defense is doing great. I think he would have added another layer and it'd been awesome to see. Would have been really cool. I think he was just kind of misused in Arizona. Kind yeah. of what it, like the scheme. He didn't really fit as a linebacker. Didn't really fit as a safety. Yeah. Just he did, they they had him doing too much there. And it would have been fun to see what Spagnuolo could have done with a chess piece like that. Yeah. A little uh, maybe Tyron Matthew esque in terms of how he could move him around all over the defense because seems to be a smart player. Yeah. Guy from the Kansas City area too. I don't know if you know that. I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, from Kansas City area. So I think Olathe at North is where he went. Uh, off the top of the head, but uh, yeah, would have been a real would have really liked to see that. I know a lot of people thought about Chase Claypool, and I even made a tweet kind of uh, tongue in cheek about like Chase Claypool about like how much help this to a need um, with uh, with adding Chase Claypool and everything like that. But that's a that's a pick that they traded a twenty twenty fifth 
2025 sixth round pick. So not this year's draft, the year after's draft. So they're giving up a future asset for a guy. I think for a flyer for them is probably they're like, okay, if he's not worth a sixth round pick, then fine. Well, we, we lost a sixth round pick. And I think the Isaiah Simmons trade, man, you look at that. And I was reading it back when I looked it back up and I was like, wow, they only gave up a sixth round pick for Isaiah Simmons, a guy who was a very talented. I still think he's a very talented football player. I still I think he was the right scheme. Yeah, but, uh, I definitely do. Let's, let's hope he has a good turnaround in New York. And I'm hoping the best for Chase as well. I mean, there's different situations that bring out the best in guys. Uh, maybe this is the yeah. best for Chase. I mean, there was a time where we thought he's, you know, a top 10 receiver. I mean, he definitely, yeah. he definitely has the talent, um, big body that can move. And, um, yeah, I think it's just going to be a an extra piece for Miami. I don't think he's got to be a premier guy, but it's just another weapon. That team is so good. The Miami offense is, is really good. McDale's cooking down there. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the next question. Julian K. run the MF and ball. Uh, he says, at what point is it fair to question Belichick as the GOAT head coach, Jeff? Man, we talked about this last time we were on, man. I think Belichick is it's very suspect, man. I mean, you can go back to our last 21 questions episode. Um, I mean, post-Brady, he looks like, I mean, just another guy. I mean, he's, he would be fired right now if he wasn't Belichick in his resume. Um, but it's a it's weird because he's a defensive guy, right? All those years where Brady was winning, um, he had top five defenses, those Super Bowl years. And that was Belichick calling those plays. That was him putting together those teams. And and it didn't matter who was in the scheme. I mean, he had some guys that weren't big-name household guys that were making plays. Um, so I don't know what's going on in New England. Maybe there's a – you know, people aren't believing in him anymore. I don't know. I, I do think winning makes things easier. Um, and things that I've heard about New England – Bill isn't the easiest guy to play for, right? Right, and and when you're losing, and you're not an easy guy to play for, it can make a locker room turn sour really bad. And I think that's what's been going on in New England. He doesn't have Brady to kind of bring that locker room together and obviously be the goat and win, win Super Bowls and big games for him. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to Bill. I don't think he'll, I think he'll eventually leave like everyone else does, but I think he'll always be a part of that organization in some aspect. I don't think it'll be a very uh, – so I don't think it'll end as unceremoniously as it is right now, right? Yeah. I think that – I think he'll find a way to get a good team back together. Uh, but you're right. If you look at those New England Patriots teams, obviously Tom Brady was good, but the glue of those teams was those defense. Like, those defenses were very good. Yeah. Um, And that has a lot to do with him. He just made – in the recent years, he's just made some pretty questionable decisions when it comes to – the management of Mac Jones, like last year with like putting Bailey Zappi in and then pulling Bailey Zappi for Mac Jones and then again pulling Mac Jones in the middle of the game when fans were cheering for Bailey Zappi. Like that was yeah. a questionable decision to hire a defensive guy to be your offensive coordinator uh, was a very questionable decision. But like, yeah, I mean, I the, thing, the thing is, he's always done weird shit like that. But it's just <laughs> yeah. always it's just coming to light because he's losing. I mean, he's arguably not one of the worst GMs. In NFL history, <laughs> like I'm, I'm just being honest. Like, and he's sure. always been that guy. Um, but he, those decisions that he was making, you know, when they panned out, he looked like a genius because he was winning. But you got to think about all the guys that didn't pan out in New England. Um, wow. <laughs> all those picks that didn't pan out, all those high draft picks that that weren't on anybody's draft boards. He he always makes a surprise first or second round pick. Like, who the hell is this? Who is this guy? Um, and that guy usually didn't work out, but it didn't matter because they were winning. 
Yeah. But happened again this year. Like it happens all the time with, yeah. with him where he makes where he makes draft picks and you're just like that's interesting. Yeah. Um but no, it's it's uh, the uh, Nick on uh, on the Discord here responded to this question and said when they start vacating Super Bowl titles, which I understand, right? Like the Super Bowl titles is going to be a big thing, but uh, in, I think even the conversation that we had last time, Jeff, with this question was like Tom Brady leaving did more for Tom Brady than it did for uh, Bill Belichick, and Definitely. as of now, I mean, it still stands that that's still going to be the case. That's why Andy Reid is my go to this generation. I mean, he's done it with two organizations. It's true. With a plethora of quarterbacks, many different situations, um, he's always found a way to win. Um, when you talk about offensive gurus, I guess of his generation, you think of like Sean Payton, and you see what he's doing in Denver right yeah. now. You can yeah. start questioning, what is Sean Payton without Drew Brees? Because he wasn't, he looked terrible in, in New Orleans after Drew left, and he did that retirement deal. Now he's in Denver with the keys to the Porsche, and he's turning it into a, a Toyota. No, no disrespect to People with Toyotas, those are great cars. I'm just saying, <laughs> there's, there's a difference. <laughs> there is a difference between a Porsche and a Toyota. Uh, no, that's a really interesting point because, uh, you know, Sean Payne's a defensive coach, though, right? Like, his defensively, like they, uh, it feels like they, they haven't been good. I mean, that's, he's a he's supposed to be a quarterback whisperer. I mean, that that's been his track record. I mean, quarterback yeah. whisperer, um, and um, he's yelling at at, at Russ right now. <laughs> Things are not good. Things are it's not. not it's Denver. not good. It's not good in Denver. Um, I don't want to talk too much about him because I know we got him soon. So, um, I don't want to put any bad karma in the air like he did with the Jets. So, be home. Got him on a. Got him on a short week after just losing to the Jets be, too. Be, uh, be, be, be um. <laughs> Robert Solid telling uh, telling about the Sean Payton. So good. I love so him. good. He deserves every bit of it too. Uh, Jeff, I don't know. This isn't a question that we have on here. How bizarre was that for you to see another NFL coach, an active NFL coach, go after another active NFL coach? That is absolutely horrible. I mean, this this is a fraternity, man. From a coaching standpoint, a player standpoint, there's an unwritten rule. You don't even if you internally feel that, right? We we're in meetings, we're looking at guys, and we like, hey, this guy isn't that good, you know? But in the media, we aren't attacking coaches, we aren't attacking players because we know personally, it's hard to be great in this league. It's hard to win games. It's just hard flat out. So for him to do that, I, I don't know what his intention was. I don't know if he was – he knew he was in a dumpster fire and he was trying to say, hey, this is – it isn't good here and it's not because of me, past the, past the blame. But, yeah, that that was very weird. And I, I, I know he wished he didn't did, did, do that. So, Absolutely. Yeah, that was a very bizarre uh, story that came out. Like I was I was kind of shocked by that. And I think a lot of people around the league were shocked by that too in just terms of everything. Kind of the same thing with um oh, I can't remember who it was on the on the Sunday night football set who just kept trying um, to get yeah Rod, Rodney yeah I mean guys we are gonna we are gonna trash the guy right unprompted yeah. right if it's a situation where there's a rivalry and you genuinely don't like a guy and it's publicly known and you see it yeah that that it could come to a boiling point and things can be said but when it's unprompted and there's no beef yeah that shouldn't happen ever um so I, I don't know why Rodney tried to kind of bait Chris into doing that, but I'm happy Chris, you know, did the right thing and took the high road. And, and I mean, that kid is doing well, man. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see him, you know, getting his confidence back. And I, I hope the best for every single player in this league. I don't want anyone to fail. I just want, I want you to beat the Chiefs. <laughs> Simple as that. Uh, all right, Jeff, we got, we got more questions. We got plenty of more questions coming up, but we got to take a break first. We'll be back right after this. 
Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're brought to you today by Manscaped, who has taken a step up from Balloween to bring your face the cleanest shave it's ever seen. So this season, no need to toil or trouble. Manscaped is all new. Handyman is the best way to get rid of that stubble. Featuring a compact design and next-gen skin-safe technology, the Handyman was designed to give you that smooth finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Get the sweetest treats this Halloween by going to manscaped.com and use code KCSN for 20% off plus free shipping. The Beard Hedger is a high-tech piece of art in a travel-sized package with a long-lasting battery, universal charging, and a strong motor. There's no trick with this treat. Manscaped has you covered. Get 20% off and free shipping with code KCSN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with code KCSN. For a look as sweet as candy, get yourself the handyman from Manscaped. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting right back into the questions here. This one's from Gowsley. He says, he asked us, is Pacheco the second most important player from the 2022 draft class this season? I would say yes. Um, Right now, offensively, um, we haven't really found an identity. And I know that's weird to say with the the reigning MVP, reigning Super Bowl champs. But each year is different, man. um, Even if it's the same group of guys. That everything changes. I mean, you're scouted by the entire league. They may come out and prepare and kind of shut things down where you were successful at the previous year, so you have to change things up. So we've been kind of leaning on Pacheco. I mean, he's been an all-purpose guy for us, and he's been making a ton of plays. Um, I would arguably say he's he may be the most important person on our offense outside of Patrick right now. Yeah, offensively, I think it's – Gosh, what Pacheco's been able to do and the way he runs the football has made this this offense a, a bit more dynamic, as you mentioned. In the run game, they're getting things going on the run game. They didn't use it as much in Minnesota as they did against yes. the Jets. They did it really well against the Jets. Um, but Sherman McDuffie, George Karloftis, Sky Moore, Brian Cook, Leo Chanel, Joshua Williams, Darian Kennard, Jalen Watson, Isaiah Pacheco, Nazi Johnson. That is an insane draft class. It's a great draft. That's a great guys- draft. Like I'm looking at the the PFF one right now, just kind of the grades from the rookie year. Um, Isaiah Pacheco, 76th grade, was the highest graded one rookie. You know, do what you want with PFF grades, right? Yeah. But 76 was the was the highest grade uh, out of that draft class. Uh, Trent McDuffie, 73. 
and a half was third out of uh, corn, 26 corners. Isaiah Pacheco, five out of 10 uh, running backs. Man, what 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 this whole draft class, the 2022 draft class has done for the Chiefs has been huge. Sure, McDuffie has been arguably the best cornerback in, in the league this year. Pair him with yeah. LeJarrius Sneed, who has been... Just they might be good. the best cornerback duo in the league right now. But They are. They are. They are. I mean, between Sneed and McDuffie, I think they are the best cornerback duo in the league. It's early in the year, and, and the test of time will tell. Um, but they've played some good receivers so far, and, and they've minimized them. I think the biggest test is the number one receiver in the league, and that's Justin Jefferson, who had 28 yards. Um, and it was dominant. Like, it wasn't fluke. It wasn't like Justin was open. When like he drops some passes, it was I can't go to him. He's 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 blanketed right now. And yeah. I mean Sneed, he bullied him. I mean, he bullies everybody every week. Um, but especially this week, he took it personally, man. Shout out to Dion. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think the the performance between those two guys, Jerry Sneed starting to cover more guys, like we're going uh, side to side with him. Mirren goes like those guys like that. Started that in the playoffs last year and he's been doing that now. Um can't really remember, Jeff, you can correct me if I'm wrong, if the Chiefs have really had a guy like that in recent years uh, that's uh, been able to go and just follow a dude. I don't think we, I don't remember anybody ever following anybody that was dominant like that. I did play with Brandon Flowers. Um, yeah. He didn't he didn't switch sides, um, but he, he was a pretty good corner. But Snead is – to do that is really hard. Not, guys aren't traveling with guys like that and they're playing aggressively in man coverage – and jamming like you know how scary that is one-on-one on an island to jam a guy like justin jefferson like yeah. you got to have a level of, i don't give a fuck in you that's beyond this world so shout out to ladarius um i mean he's a dog man he is man both of those corners playing one heck of a year whole defense as a whole playing just playing lights out dude like i don't know if you you anticipated this to happen uh this early on in the season for the chiefs defense to have this much success I know I was even high on the defense. I didn't think they'd be this good this early. This no, season. no. I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't think they'd be a top, you know, what are they, top five right now? I don't know okay. what they are. They're a top five defense right now. I didn't I didn't think – I thought we'd be, you know, on, on the bubble of a top ten, and that would be great for us. But to be top five right now, they're the reason that we're 4-1. Um, the offense will catch up. We started out slow last year. Takes a little bit of time. We got some new faces, and – Got some receivers trying to figure some things out, but I mean, this team is is poised to make another deep run in the playoffs. You know, potentially win another Super Bowl. And the beauty of these teams with the Andy Reid coaches, they always get better as the year goes on. Like we aren't like a, I don't know, like the Dallas Cowboys. I'm in Dallas right now, by the way. But I'll sling those shots out there. They deserve <laughs> they deserve every every bit of the, every shot that that they. Uh, that they need to take, especially after Sunday's game against the Niners. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, Tough game. But next question here, this is from uh, Zach. Does Mahomes' current level of play line up with the top two billing for MVP? No. And I love Pat. I think Pat is the best quarterback in the league. But right now, he's not playing like an MVP. Um, He will tell you that himself because he's brutally honest. He's a competitor. And no one is more honest with themselves than Pat. Um, now, the great thing about Pat is he takes it all personal, even if it's from the outside or internally, and he's going to fix it, um, and he's going to be better for it. Um, will this thing shake out differently as the season goes on? I, I will bet that he'll be in that conversation, and he'll probably end up winning it when it's all said and done. Um, but right now, he's not. 
it's a narrative award, and usually if you kick in a little more, a uh, little bit more juice in the back half of the season, it helps you out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. I mean, Patrick Mahomes even said it in the in the press conference. I believe it was before it was after the Jets game. Like, hey, I haven't really played very well this season, and yeah. he was he was just straight up honest about like his play and how he felt like it kind of cost him. It's cost him in a couple games, a couple big moments, and I think that's what makes him so great. Obviously, his accountability as leader and but, everything like that. But, but here, here's the thing, though. Like, his bad is still better than. Damn near every quarterback in the league. It's like it's like when they're showing graphics and comparing him to to guys, and they're like, "Well, this guy's playing. He's playing better than Patrick because it's like a celebration. Like <laughs> he's playing better than Patrick. He's playing at a great level, and Pat's bad is still good. So he's obviously set the bar really high um, because of what he's done. Um, but he's not playing terrible when you put things in perspective. He's just playing bad when you compare it to his great. And that's the thing too about the MVP is they're gonna everyone's gonna compare him to what his MVP season was last year, and he, he yeah. had a great season last year. He's always gonna be consistently compared to his best season, his best year, not necessarily compared to what other quarterbacks are doing across the league. It's a blessing and a curse, right, to be as good as he is. He's always gonna be compared to his greatest, rather than just the other quarterbacks around him. It is, but and when you look at it, right, he's not gonna make the excuse publicly. He's not even gonna talk about it, right? But you're you're as good as the guys around you, right? And right now, offensively, from a skill position, outside of Pacheco, we aren't really doing much in the receiver court. Guys aren't really getting open. Um, guys are dropping passes. And you know, the things that – when he's making plays, it's, it's literally him moving around the pocket like he usually does. And he's just gutting and forcing things. Um, but I do think things are going to get better. Um, and it's just a matter of time. Absolutely. Here's a, here's a, a uniform question, as I teased earlier. Neil asked us, is white on white the greatest jersey scheme we have, and why is the answer an emphatic yes? Jeff, I know as an offensive lineman, you know <laughs> a different answer. You, you know the answer. Listen, if I look like Tarzan, hell yeah, that's the greatest uniform car- <laughs> combo in the league. Like it, it looks pretty sweet when you're a skill guy, but when, yeah. you're, when you're a big guy, I'm talking about we're pregame, we're in a bathroom looking in the mirror like, holy shit. <laughs> I look like a marshmallow right now, getting ready to get roasted. You know, <laughs> campfire. Um, but hey, listen, it, it is a great combo. But for us, it's really hard because it's not slimming, right? No. You look, you look out there, and you're like, man, who's this big pillow? You know. <laughs> but um, hey, hey, listen, it's it's a great looking uniform, just not on big guys. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I know that you and Mike have talked about that, where just like uh, everyone is always so stoked for the white on white, and every time I see people, and I think white on white, great uniform combo. Yeah. But I, I in the back of my head, every time I see it, I'm like, those big guys got to be hating that they got to put this thing. On. They hate. Hey man, listen. And sometimes you don't know what the uniform combo is until pregame. You come in, oh. you see the white on white, you just like, shit. There's no red to break it up. <laughs> Nothing. You just hang your head like it is what it is. That's funny. No, I do enjoy uh, the white and white. You, in your career, Jeff, what is your favorite uniform that you've worn? I'm college, okay. to pro, anything in between. What What is your favorite uniform you've ever worn? My favorite to wear was the red on red. Like, and that that uniform for some reason we always dominated when we wore that uniform. I don't know what it is now the 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 record, but I know we yeah. were undefeated, and we usually wore it during primetime games, and they were yeah. dominant games. I remember. We wore when we played New England that year where New England won the Super Bowl that year, but I remember just beating the hell out of them 
and everyone, the sky was falling in New England. Everyone thought Tom was done. And yeah, that was a great game. And, and it's just a confidence. It's a swag about it. Um, it sounds crazy, but like, if you look good, you play good, man. Like it's, it, it really is a, a psychological thing. I wholeheartedly believe that. I believe. I believe that. Uh, you know, you just see. You see it. You can see it. You can. You can see a difference when people have the confidence and and they look good like that. But yeah, I do love the monochromatic look. Has been something that's kind of been sweeping football a lot more recently. You see a lot more teams go monochromatic, especially like I think the Colts do it a whole lot yeah. more. Uh, the 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 Cardinals when they announced their new uniforms, they were monochromatic, but. Uh, they just started with the color rush uh, jerseys and everything like that. But now uh, they do those monochrome looks. Listen, I really do enjoy just the white white top and red pants. Like I think that is a very clean look. I think for me, the, the my favorite Chiefs jersey is the white. I really like the look of the white. Jersey. I, I do too. That might be my favorite jersey, but my favorite combo is the red on red. Um, I I think we have one of the best traditional jerseys in the NFL. If we decided to do one of those special ones. I mean, maybe I would like to see a black helmet and a black uniform. I think that would be pretty sweet. I doubt we'll do it. Um, but there's something about black on black, man. I never got a chance to wear that. Um, mm. We didn't even have it in high school. We had like, um, we always would wear black jerseys with white pants, even though we had black pants. So I always wanted to wear black on black. I was thinking in Illinois, you probably wouldn't have ever worn. Did you do any like alternates at Illinois? Uh, yeah, you yeah, yeah. We wore, we did like the um, what's called the Renaissance game. It was like a throwback game where we wore like our the the old school Dick Buckets throwbacks. Yeah. Um, no names on the back. Um, I got that jersey hanging up in one one of my rooms in here. It's a pretty sweet jersey. Um, we wore that with white pants. Um, we've done we did the all blue there. Um, I missed the all orange. Thankfully, that sounds terrible. <laughs> But I know yeah. they've done. I know they've done that lately. Um, but the 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 throwback jersey was pretty sweet. That's awesome. I do. I do love some good throwbacks. Some good uh, uh, jerseys like that. I've seen some teams do the all orange. I think Oregon State wore them a couple weeks ago. They just look like traffic cones out there. Yeah, yeah. That's a terrible. That might be the worst combo in sports. All orange, like that. There's nothing appealing about all orange. Um, I do think orange looks good in certain you know circumstances, but all orange. Just, it's it just reminds me of a highlighter. Like it's just not you, sh- you shouldn't do that. It does kind of look like a highlighter. Uh, before we get to our uh, second break here, um, Jeff, this question is from Arrow. He says Sky Moore. I mean, that's all he says. Sky Moore. Hey, listen, man. You know, I I ragged on him a little bit. Not in a, not in a like detrimental way where I talked about his character or said he sucked or anything like that, but. Um, and it's kind of like on the back of a milk carton. I mean, it's like, where is he? Um, I do think Sky has the potential to be a good player. Um, we've seen shades of it, but I, I just wonder like what's going on. And a lot of success has to do with confidence. Um, I don't know if he doesn't have the confidence right now, or, you know, maybe it takes one big game and then he starts to get it on a roll. But right now it's just like, and it's all the entire, the entire receiver group, like, Every single guy is like it's it's just not clicking for him right now. Um, the young guys, you expect that. I mean, Justin Ross, Rasheed Rice. I mean, they they're, they're dropping passes here and there, but they've all shown glimpses, right? It's just about being consistent. This league is about doing it day in and day out, and young guys usually take a little bit to get that. 
Um, this is Sky's second year. He's still technically young. I know he's been thrust yeah. into that role, and everyone puts a ton of pressure on him and expect expectation. Um, but he's still young, so I still have hope hope for him. Um, just right now, he's just in the skybox. I would uh, take his Sky Moore question and raise him an MVS question because where is that dude? Like that, he has been missing in action for. I mean, since he's been signed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like honestly, I think. Um, and I think MVS is a is a good player. He's not a bad player at all. I, I think um, I don't think he's being used in the right way. I don't know if we are confident in taking that shot with him because he's fast as hell. And he's had some big games for us. Like, I think we just need to find a way to give him the ball. Um, he do he right. does has a case of dropping the ball. Like he, he does have that issue at times. But I, I think he needs more targets, man. I, and and I'm not gonna sit up here and say I look at the all twenty two and look at the receivers. I'm looking at the online, man. I'm not gonna lie to you. But but um I do know if he were open, I think Patrick would find him. So but right. that's not that's not um set in stone because I haven't watched it like that. So. It's interesting. The wide receiver room is a very interesting just conglomerate right now and now it's how it's all working out. But uh Jeff, I got to tell you about our friends at uh, DraftKings Sportsbook before we go any further. And the NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet five bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every day this October. Get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code KCSN. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code KCSN, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles in Louisiana. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, Jeff, we're going to take one more break, and when we get back, we will wrap up with some questions. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Hey, what's up, everybody? It is Ben Heisler, host of Benny and the Bets here on KCSN. And I've been so fortunate to have PXG uh, as our sponsor here at KCSN, sponsor of Benny and the Bets. Uh, I I think what I've really enjoyed about this partnership is that they have really had an opportunity to dive into Kansas City. And so it's nice to be able to refer people who are fans of KCSN to folks that care about the community, that care about making a presence here in Kansas City. Uh, but also they make ridiculous golf clubs as well. Had the fantastic uh, experience getting fit here with Alex Oren. She is the queen of fittings over at PXG, uh, was the first female fitter in the company's history. She's right here in Kansas City. Uh, did a fitting for about two hours and just had an absolute blast. Uh, really got comfortable with every single club in my bag. And they're going to be able to do that for you guys as well. The best part is $25 fittings right now 
in the month of October. So make sure you guys come on over. It's PXG store. They are located here in Overland Park, 119th and Blue Valley Parkway. When you come in, make sure you say hi to Alex, say hi to Jake, say hi to Marcus. The whole crew is going to take such good care of you. Check out, they got brand new fall apparel as well. Some great discounts on all the summer stuff as well. Uh, they've been a great partner for us here at KCSN. We hope that you guys support them and check out everything that they're doing as well. Been such a great opportunity. Love the folks at PXG. We know you guys will too. Everything for your bag. Nobody makes clubs the way we do, period. That's PXG and PXG.com. Next question here from Andrew Schnitaker. He asks, is Rasheed Rice already the best Chiefs first-year rookie wide receiver since Andy Reid has been the head coach? I would say yes. I would say yes. I would say it potentially could have been Tyreek if he was thrust um, right. into the same role that he is right now. Um, but Tyreek didn't get as many snaps, so I'm going to say yeah. That was a question I saw come through earlier today, and I was like, "That's I want to look that up a little bit more because I can remember Tyreek having some production his rookie year. He did. He, he made a lot more of— More like gadget stuff. Yeah, it was more gadget stuff, um, shots, but he wasn't on the field as much. Um, yeah. You've seen Rasheed quite frequently, um, and I, he's, a good, he's a good receiver. His snap counts have only gone up, too, which is yeah. very— encouraging sign for uh for Rasheed Rice and listen he has those drop issues that that we've talked about a lot on on KC Sports Network but again on Sunday didn't have a drop he yeah. uh he was able to find the end zone again didn't have a drop I'm looking at Tyree Kill's rookie numbers uh right here uh played in 16 games only started in one of them 83 targets 61 receptions 593 yards um you look at I mean, he had some rushing. He had a couple. He had a few rushing touchdowns, uh, 267 yards on the ground, 593 through the air. I think that Rasheed Rice can surpass his 593. Yeah, I, I think uh, Rasheed will have about 800. Yeah. If not, he may be able to crack a thousand. Ooh. Maybe. maybe. I, I see him coming along, man. I think he's getting confident. He, he didn't lack confidence. This guy, even with the drops, like. He thinks he's that guy. You can tell the way yeah. he moves around. When he makes plays, he believes um, that he's that dude. So yeah, he's only going to get better. What I think is so wildly interesting is the Chiefs are using him so much differently than how he was used at SMU yeah. in college. Like, it is if you look at the highlights from college to look at the highlights that he's been having all the Chiefs, it's been so different. Basically, like, to make him a running back, you get the ball in his hands, let him make guys miss, because he's athletic. He's got the mm-hmm. dynamic uh, the, the dynamic ability uh, to make guys miss after the catch and the way that he's been doing it has been really cool to see. It's been cool to see the Chiefs identify him as a talent and see, okay, they're not using him right. We can use him this way and make him flourish uh, so much better. So it's been uh, really encouraging to see about uh, Rasheed Rice. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I have him on fantasy team, so I'm rooting for him. <laughs> there you go. Uh, okay, here is one from uh, B Higgs underscore Prince Felix. What is your go-to way to enjoy the Chiefs on a Thursday night? Quiet night at home, out at the bar, take the night after it off, and tailgate or something else. Quiet night at home, man. I'm, I'm going to yeah. chill, close the door in my man cave, which I'm in right now. Um, pretend I'm not here. That's what I tell the Washington <laughs> kids. I'm not, I am not here right now. Um, probably get some wings or something and just chill out. I'm not a very big fan of Thursday night games. I know that players aren't, um, obviously, yeah. because of just like the – the. I, I, I can't imagine – it's hard for me to do for a Thursday night game. I can't imagine how hard it is for the guys actually playing in the Thursday night game. It's very sleepy, to be honest. Like, it's a prime. It is like it's a prime yeah. time game, but it yeah. just 
there's no enthusiasm about it. There's no excitement. And um, I mean, some guys like it, man, like honestly, but not like not for the football reason, right? It's not because, you know, it's a big time game. It's like, no, we get a long weekend. Like it's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're just like you, right? It's like, oh man, we play on Thursday, man. I mean, we don't have to come back until probably Tuesday until we get this win, man. Like, so we can get up out of here. That's so funny. No, that's exactly what I think too. It's like a Thursday. I can just sit back on Sunday and watch all the football and yeah. have to worry about about my about my team play. No, that's that's funny. I didn't think about it going that way. Yeah, that's the light at the end of the tunnel. Like that's the <laughs> silver lining in all of it. It's we get the weekend off. It's perfect. I don't think they're ever going to take them away. They should, but they never will. Too much money. Too much money. Too, too much yeah. money involved. I get it from a business perspective. I do think um, you would rather have it early in the year, like it is now, yeah. um, than later. Um, so. I, I like it. It's like an extra vibe built into the season. That's true. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see how uh, they do that with the Chargers game coming up. They'll have the mini buy, so that'll be good. But uh, this one's from KC in KC. He asked, or KC from KC, sorry. Uh, how long does it take for the chemistry to gel between the guards and tackles, and how much will that improve as the year progresses? Um, I mean, there's no timetable on it, um, but it usually takes – you know, most of the year, to be honest with you, you want them mm. to be clicking on all cylinders heading into the playoffs. And that's the beauty of it all, not just the offensive line. It's the entire offense. is like they're progressively going to get better. And even with us not doing our best right now offensively, we're still winning. we we'll let you know we're a good team. So I'd rather, you know, learn doing a win than learn doing a loss. So it's good to see it. And then as far as the O-line and communication, um, internally, those three guys, as you see, they, they're still playing very well. Uh, they can communicate with one another without speaking. It's the two outside guys that will take a little bit of time, but it will happen a lot faster with those three cogs in the middle. So, Absolutely. I think that's been a big part of it is that having that solidified interior has been uh, so good uh, for those guys kind of still trying to uh, to get, get their footing uh, when it comes to the tackles. I know we've had a lot of conversations about it. Jeff, we haven't really talk to you about the whole Juwan Taylor stuff going on. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'll give you a platform just to talk about uh about what you what you've been seeing from uh Juwan with the penalties and and everything like that even to now as we've seen it kind of get past it a little bit. Yeah, I think um got a lot of attention, huh? Like mm-hmm. a ton of attention. I think um I've been watching this for a while. He's not the only tackle in the league that does that. Lane is notorious for it. Um I would say Lane probably jumps it a lot quicker than him and it's borderline. Um, Jawan does an excellent job of moving with the ball. And if you look at the ball and you look at him, it looks like he's jumping off sides. He's just moving instantaneously with the ball. Like the other guys are a tick delayed. He's ball moving moves. And it's it's an advantage, right? And it can get frustrating as a DN because you're like, why is this guy moving before all the other guys, right? It, it's frustrating. But I do think one of the things that he does need to work on is his, is his alignment. Like he is deep. Like, that's fair. Like check with the with the line judge and, and make sure, you know, you're 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 at the waistline of the guard or center. I mean, um, and, and you're in a good position. But as far as snap jumping the snap, he's not jumping the snap. And I think the league had a hit out on him. It was cool to see what Andy did, you know, that week in Jacksonville just to verify his theory. Wow. Um, but since then, it's they've kind of backed off, right? Shout out to Andy, smart guy. <laughs> My goodness. What a what a just an absolute Andy Reid move, right? Of being like, oh yeah, no, I 
I pulled him because I wanted to see what was going on. And he was 100% right. Like, yeah. it was that he had them doing the same things. It sucks that Prince had to get hurt during that whole yeah. deal of him getting him getting pulled and everything like that. But uh, he was going to get pulled anyway, I think, just because I think that might have been the Bears game, too, where they were messing around with it a little bit more yeah. as well. Um, but yeah, it's a, what an insane move. Definitely insane move. Um, yeah, Jawan, just move up a little bit, man. You, you're jumping the ball fast enough. You can move up a, you know, half yeah. inch. <laughs> but yeah, I've been, uh, we got, we got more offensive line questions. This one's from uh, chief golden co, uh, Jeff, what do you think of the chiefs O line up to this point? And why do you, or why do they seem to struggle in the Vikes game and other games to get push up uh, second and short and third and short runs? Um, I'm never going to hate to hear this, and I, I don't want to give Andy Reid a hard time, but I've never been a fan of our short yardage run game. <laughs> it, I, honestly, yeah. I'm going to just be honest with you. With the guys that we have, I think um, schematically that we should be doing some different things. And short yardage goal line, it's hard to get movement regardless. Like, you're, it, everybody knows what's coming, every single every single person. So it's hard to get movement from that, that standpoint, but um, – I think you can help with the with the play costs. Get a little bit more double teams. Um, don't try to be too cute. Like just just run the fucking ball. Yeah, we've talked about this some on like the lab and all the some of the other like uh, you know X's and O's film type shows. Is it seems like anytime the Chiefs run gap scheme type runs, it seems to be fairly successful. But it's not something that they always I tend wonder, to do. I wonder why. I wonder why, you know, three of the best interior offensive linemen can run gaps game and two guys can move one guy 10 yards down the field. It it it, it will always work. Um, Pacheco is built for it with the way that he runs. Mm-hmm. He is a no-nonsense runner. He's north and south. He ain't going to dance around, right? And the best way to go forward is to go straight. And that's the same for the O-line. So if we can run some duel, some gaps game, get those big bodies double-teaming one guy, moving up to the backer, We'll always get four yards. That's an efficient run, mm-hmm. and it can go further from there. You can maybe you can hit your head off the goalpost a couple of times, but I know for a fact if we ran that a lot, we'd be the most efficient running team in the NFL. Mm. Listen, I think so too. They got the they got the horses to run it with. We got they the got horses to, to run for it. You got Trey coming around on power. You know, punishing people with families. I mean, like, like just I'm telling you. Um, we, we call it God's play power. Like, yeah. you know, that is one of our, like we, we like to run the ball off into mine, right? That is our advantage. These guys in the league now are paid to rush the passer. They don't like to pay the, play the run very much. And I know it's a passing mm-hmm. league, but when we get a chance to double team a guy, we get a chance to come around on a pool and see a linebacker or a safety trying to fill a gap. That is our highlight, not going backwards and holding for dear life, holding on for dear life. <laughs> it is like we get to run the ball and it's our time to shine. I love it. And I know some – a theory that's been brought up is the Chiefs used to run a whole lot more RPOs, right? I feel like yeah. they haven't ran a whole lot this year, but that's why they did the zone run scheme just so it yeah. fit in with the RPOs a little bit more. That makes sense. I think that that does. No, that's why he did it. That's what. That's why – I mean, that that is his scheme, right? That's why they were running RPOs then – Everything has to look the same for the defense to respect it. Right. right? If the, every time I got into the gun, all I did was run inside zone, and those backwards would feel so fast that we wouldn't have a chance. Right. So the RPO is just an extension of the run game. It makes the backers and safeties, they, they have to stay honest. 
it's they're delayed a little bit and gives us a chance to get on the backers. But when we line up in power with with the guys that we have, we line up in those, you know, three tight end sets or two tight end sets where even if they know we're running the ball, if it's a first or second down situation, you still kind of got to respect the pass a little bit. Right. So let's get into those sets a little bit more. I'm old school. Sorry. Um, no, I like I love it. We've been talking about that. They, I think they've done a better job this year of getting into some of those gap sets. I mean, you yeah. even saw uh, a, a couple of big runs coming on those gap schemes, and they've been a little bit more, um, I don't know the word I'm looking for, diverse probably in their run game with, with what they've been able to run, and I think that's been a really big success. I mean, it's kind of helped divert some of the pressure off of Mahomes and those uh, those receivers as well. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I get it, man. It's Historically, our identity, our identity has been the past team. Um, we don't throw much out of, you know, from under center. Um, it's usually boots, um, play action, um, not any traditional drop back from under center. Yeah. Like, and that's hard to do for a quarterback, even like Patrick. Like, if you're used to catching the ball on the gun and, you know, one, two drop as far as, as far as, um, you know, three yards as opposed to dropping back seven yards, that's the total total difference. So I get why we don't transform the complete offense because we have the league MVP. Yeah. And this next question here, we're going we're gonna to do a couple more here. Uh, Mike Denny, the Swifty liaison, asked, is Mahomes struggling this year compared to you? Is, is Mahomes struggling this year compared to his usual self? I think we've already really answered that one. But if so, do you have any guesses to why he's struggling? Yeah, I mean, it's like I said, it's it's about the people around you. Um, I do think his stats will look a lot different if guys aren't dropping the ball, um, yeah. even with guys aren't aren't get, even when guys aren't getting open, he's still creating opportunity to get open with the scramble drill. Um, he's still making plays. It, it's just a matter of time. I think these guys will click eventually, um, and even if they don't, like with this defense right now, you give Pat an opportunity to win a game, and. It, most games come down to single possessions in the league, regardless of you know how bad your team is. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you give Paul, I mean Pat, the ball back with um, a chance to win it, he's probably going to win it. So, I agree. Um, this one is uh, from Tank the Frank. If you are given the chance to make one realistic trade to improve the Chiefs at the deadline, what is that move? One realistic trade. Um, there's trouble in paradise in Buffalo. I would go get Stephon Diggs. I'm I'm right there with you in terms of wide receiver. I would go get Stephon Diggs if I could. Imagine him in KC. That would be with that Mahomes. Would, oh my God, that would be beautiful. Or I mean, I, I've seen like the rumors of um, Atlanta maybe wanting to move um, Pitts. Yeah, I think I think that could be a good fit, but I don't see how that would mesh with Kelsey and how we would – that would be changing our offense a little bit too much. Um, but yeah. I, I think a receiver like Diggs would be would be awesome. Pitts is really interesting because he lines up a lot outside the numbers as a yeah. tight end. You're like, you, you don't see that a whole lot of a guy, but he's got a big body. I think that some people are like, hey, you could bring him in, have him be a pseudo-X wide receiver. I mean, you could, no. but he's – he's, he's not an X. What makes Pitts special – what made him special his rookie year, what made him special at Florida, was even when he was lining up wide, he still was technically declared as a tight end, right? So we'd have a safety or a backer on him, right? If you declare him as an X, that's a little bit different. Um, yeah. 
I don't think he's a receiver. Like honestly, I think I do think he's a tight end, a receiving threat tight end. So leave him at that. Um, but we already have that with Kelsey, so we don't need two of those. Brandon Ayuk is that guy that I've been thinking about a whole lot. And just like, yeah, they, they're not letting him go. He's been balling. He's their number one for sure. Yeah, would be nice. I mean, they already have Debo. They already have Debo. They don't need two of them. Yeah, I know, but I think, I think, um, I don't know, man. Is the salary cap real? Like, how the hell? No, geez, <laughs> like dude. the Niners. Like, what are they doing? Like the rich get richer. They just got Randy Gregor in. I know that's. The way that these GMs and these like assistant GMs are able to just manipulate the cap and be like, oh yeah, so your contract is this much, but like this year we're actually this only this much goes against the cap, and she's like, wait a second, how? Yeah, I don't understand it anymore. All right, let's wrap up with this last one here. What is the record? This one's from Casey. From Casey, what is the record for most Cookie Society cookies eating in one sitting? For me personally, I don't know if he says you personally, but just. Uh, in general, let's let's go with you personally, and if you know someone who's eating more, I want to hear that too. Me personally, I would say six, which is crazy because those cookies are huge. Those are big cookies. Um, but one of my customers told me he ate a full dozen. Now our cookies are four plus ounces. To put that in perspective, a normal cookie is about and anywhere from one point one to one point seven ounces, depending on where you get it from, right? So that is about three cookies in one. Um. To eat 12 of those is like eating with 36 cookies. That's that's, so a, that, that's insane. I think one time I ate two and I was like gonna throw up because it was so much sugar. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of cookies. We don't recommend you consuming that many cookies and and let me do the disclaimer like it did for DraftKings. Yeah. <laughs> we do not recommend you eating more than three cookies in one sitting. Please consult with your primary physician. If you have a sugar problem, please call 1-800-GOT-SUGAR. <laughs> Holy, that is a lot of, I'm surprised. I didn't, so I read that, that question earlier and I was like, those are big cookies. I don't know. Like I was like probably five, you know, would probably be the record, but like yeah. a dozen of a, those. A dozen, a dozen. That's just absolutely like ridiculous, but Hey, maybe he runs a lot. I don't know. Got diabetes. He's going to have diabetes after that. Like, um, I mean, yeah, like, nah, I would be interested to know what his blood sugar was like after that consumption. Oh my gosh. It has to be astronomical. Yeah, the doctor's like, hey, you're staying overnight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeff. Well, I appreciate you hanging out with me, uh, answering some of these questions from 21 Questions. Uh, really appreciate you just spending some time talking some ball. Love the run game stuff. Love, uh, love to yes, pick your yes. brain always come out offensive line. Definitely, definitely. I, and I was like this in the locker room too. Like, run the damn ball. Run it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great note to end on because uh, we are we're here we're for running it here on uh 21 questions yes sir for jeff allen i'm tucker frank we will catch you guys next week as always we got a ton of stuff leading up to the uh, chiefs and broncos game on thursday night so we will be back with you soon until then i will talk to you later go chiefs everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.